Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, now this week here, we were originally going to do something for a Valentine's Day episode. Eva was going to join in, but she decided in infinite wisdom to feed her kids Valentine's Day candy, and now they're doing their best Linda Blair impressions. You know, we told her, don't save the Halloween candy from last year till now. Yeah, yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So what has happened here is that since it's going to be something of a sausage fest, you know, sorry, Mike, but, you know, it's just the two of us. Uh, I have TFG1 Mike with me, and we are going to do one of our favorite shows from the 80s. We're going to be doing the A-Team. Yeah, I asked Doug, I said, so are we just going to do this without her? Are we just going to have two guys' opinions on Sleepless in Seattle and and You've Got Mail? And I said, or are we just going to, you know, love it when a plan comes together? And he's like, oh, shit, look, give me a minute. <laughs> Let me gather myself. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh... I don't. I don't want to talk. I don't want to turn talking about my generation into a uh, sexist podcast. So I figure we'll save yeah. the romantic crap for Eva next time she comes up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know she wants to do. She's talking about wanting to do gems. So we'll have to get to that. Uh, yeah, I, I have no issues with that. But I, yeah. I'm sorry, Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, it's. I had never seen that movie until about a year ago. And I had seen You've Got Mail, and I knew that You've Got Mail was their technically their reunion for Hanks and, and Ryan for yeah. on-screen leads. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it next time or whenever. We'll cover it at some point, I'm yeah. sure, because, you know, I know that there are a lot of women out there who do listen to the podcast, and, you know, they like that sort of shit, so we'll cover <laughs> that. This episode is going to be for us guys, because, you know, hey... The women, de- the women deserted us this this time around. So you guys get to yeah. listen to A Team stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So for those of you who have never seen the A Team, shame on you. It's Stop on Netflix. Yeah. Stop the podcast. Go to Netflix and watch the first five episodes. Hell, if you're not on Netflix, go watch it on NBC.com. They have some old episodes there. Yeah, that's true. Okay, just. Watch the show. It's, for lack of better adjectives, it's fucking awesome. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I I loved this show growing up as a kid. It was, this was what I would watch. You know, I, I, when I, when I saw Hannibal and Face, uh, B.A. Baracus coming on, you know, Mr. T, uh, I remember actually going, my parents took me the very first time I went to Universal Studios. They took me up to go see the A team stunt show that they had. And it's, it's since been replaced with, I think it's water world or something else, but <laughs> yeah, fish tar. Good job. Uh, but yeah, they had the A team and the day that I was there, they actually had Mr. T who was standing out there and he was doing this whole show and like having this whole thing. And they had the A team van that, that GMC black van with the red stripe on it, hauling ass through the, through the area. They had, like, this kid that was supposed to be in the thing, like, 
13 or 14 years old pretending to drive this. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was awesome watching it. It was absolutely awesome seeing this kid chasing down Mr. T. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just... Everything about that, I loved that movie. I loved the show, loved the show that they had, loved the pilot that they did. Uh, basically, for those of you who haven't seen it, what it is, this show, it was an action-adventure series uh, that ran from 83 to 87. And basically, it started out with, the, it started out that these guys were uh, ex-special forces, and I want to say from the Army, if, if I'm correct. Uh, I'm not going to do a good a job as John Ashley's opening narration, but here you go. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they did not commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground today, still wanted by the government. They survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Yes. <laughs> I don't know... Who, because sadly, uh, John Ashley passed away in 97. I don't know who they got to voice it for the film, the the updated live action film. Whoever they got was pretty good, I gotta say. Whoever they got was a damn close mimic, and it was still really, really awesome. Yes. Yes, and, and there was... The the big things between the movie and the, the TV series, because we're going to make comparisons, folks. I know that there are people who didn't like the movie. Tough shit. Uh, the, the main concerns that I had with it when I first heard about the movie coming out was that, ah, oh, shit, they're going to do it with them being like Iraqi war heroes or special forces from Iraq. And I was kind of like, eh, it's supposed to be Vietnam. And then I went, you know what? They're modernizing it a bit. That's, yeah. I'll give them that, you know, and I kind of accepted it. The traditional elements are still there for the most part. Yeah. And the fact that they brought back Dirk Benedict oh. and, and, Doug, and uh, Dwight Schultz for cameos. Yes. Is, so just the way that they do it, it, it's so 80s A-team. It really, really is. And... The only one I really ha- was questioning for a while after I saw the film was was uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson as Mr. T. Yeah. Because he was like – and I'm not an MMA fighter. I'm, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a fighter at all, but I'm not an MAA follower. MMA, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I don't follow that stuff. Uh, I barely follow WWE, but – um, it's just one of those things where I don't follow it. So I'm like, oh, okay, kind of has to look. But the whole point with this was the whole point with the movie was that BA found religion in prison and he found peace and he yeah. wasn't going to fight anymore. And it, you know, it, it took them blowing up his van for him to kind of get, get his shit together. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the other three actors that were cast for the the other roles, I I kind of dug them. I thought that was I thought it was great. Yeah, uh, I, I mean Liam Neeson playing the role that George Papard played. You know, yeah. him playing Hannibal. I was kind of like when I first heard about him getting cast, I was like, oh god, is that a good choice? It, you know, I mean, I'm thinking an Irishman to play this. Ah. You know, worse yet, Qui Gon Jinn playing. <laughs> 
as, you know, Hannibal. I, I was like, say that. of course, of course. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah. And then I saw him put the cigar into his mouth and say, I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. And I was sold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, Neeson is, he's a chameleon when it comes to his acting. Yeah. Uh, sure, he has films like the Taken series, which is mm, whatever. Yeah. But for the most part, most of the stuff that I've seen him in, it's like, oh wow, that's I never expected that to work. But it do, he does; it, he yeah. makes it work. And and for me, the A Team, the the film, even though it's not that. It homages the old series, but at oh, the same yeah. time, it, it it homages the old series, but at the same time, it it makes its own ground. Um, and I don't quite mind that at all because, you, like you said, you when you modernize something, you have to change a few things. And I really liked it, but the old series, oh man, those actors, Pippard. Oh, yeah. uh, Dirk Benedict, uh, Dirk yeah. Benedict, Doug Schultz, uh, D- Dwight Schultz, uh, Mr. T, and Mr. T. I mean, you've got uh, the dude that faced off with Rocky and Rocky Three. Yes, as a good guy, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he does have a bad attitude. Oh, <laughs> uh, just some of the things about that. I mean, you know, I, I laughed when I saw him showing up, and you know, the very first time I saw him, I was like why is this dude wearing all those gold chains? <laughs> you know, and that was like, cause I mean, he had what, like 35, 40 pounds worth of chains. It seemed like something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it was still, he still was just very charismatic for what he was doing. Uh, I liked the fact that, you know, even though it was, it was the time of the eighties when everybody was doing their whole PSAs, you know, and they were all having that. And you saw that with Mr. T being this, you know, guy who came from the wrong side of the tracks and he's now helping out kids, you know, try and get them to do better and be, you know, do arts and crafts, which mm. blows my mind that here's this guy who's, you know, a, a, a special forces, ex-special forces teaching these kids how to make ashtrays. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, just classic. And, you know, I what got me now, this is something that still bothers me to this day with the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. You see George Pappard, you see Hannibal, and mm-hmm. he's supposed to be this actor at Universal Studios being in front <laughs> of the camera, and he's there and he's dancing around. And you see him coming out of the water in the suit, and I'm just like, really? Really? The, nobody knows who the hell he is. Nobody's able to put a face to you know him to say that this guy is an escaped war criminal. That was something that bothered me about it. But, you know, I mean, they, they caught up to him and, you know, you do see the army coming in after him on the set and they mm-hmm. all take off. So it was that was the one thing that kind of irked me, but it was it was OK, you know. Uh, Mike, you there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. OK. Uh, I know with Dirk Benedict, uh, Dirk was yeah. just. <laughs> what do you what do you, what do you really say about Dirk Benedict? Um, you know, just he, he was the face. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, he was your 
it wasn't even your average ladies' man. He was the ultimate 80s ladies' man. He really, really was. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, Face was also fiercely loyal to these guys. Yes. And it was just, just awesome. And having Cooper play him, uh, I don't think you could have had any other cast in the line. Yeah. I don't think there's any other man in the last 10 years that could have played face unless it was Dirk or unless it was Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Because if you take a picture of them side by side, you take a picture from, from a team and then you take a pic. And I mean the, the series, take a picture from the series and then from the movie of the two actors, put them side by side. They look identical. Pretty much. They, they, I, I, I will give the movie a lot of credit in, in, really recapturing what face man looked like and yeah they did it very well dirk benedict uh, you know amazing 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 actor um i had really only seen him in this but he's been in a bunch of other stuff oh well uh, we got to mention battlestar galactica the man yes. was starbuck yes he was you know come on <laughs> <laughs> You know, anybody who doesn't – and no, I'm not talking about the new one that Sci-Fi ran for like four or five seasons. No. That was good. Don't get me wrong. I liked that one. But for me, being a child of the 80s, the original mm -hmm. Battlestar Galactica with Lauren Green, that's my favorite. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Dwight Schultz, I have to be honest. The only thing I remember him doing was Murdoch. I don't remember him doing anything else. Yeah. In the early years, I, I can see that. Yeah. It just, I don't remember him doing a lot of stuff, but, um, he was in dial M for murder. Really? Uh, yep. At least according to Wikipedia, take that with a grain of salt, but, yeah. uh, he was in, he was in two episodes of, the, of Perry Mason. Uh, he was, uh, let's see here. He was in Babylon five in 94. Okay. Uh, I can see that. He was in, uh, let's see. Star Trek, the next generation for about five episodes from 90 to 94. You know, uh, I think I remember that it's been a while since I've seen uh next generation stuff, but I think I remember seeing him. I don't know who he played, but in 97, he was a guest on Austin <laughs> Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. God. I can't remember who he plays, though, off the top of my head. Uh, he was in Stargate SG-1. Uh, he, he was on Family Guy, if you want to count that. Uh, he was in Star Trek Voyager. Uh, he's got voices on uh, a lot of the Ben 10 cartoons now really uh yeah he was eddie the squirrel and cat dog oh god <laughs> he is uh mesmero from ultimate spider-man like this is like most recently uh wow. and he's a tuma in avengers assemble the current avengers cartoon series the last film he did was uh the actual last live action film he did was uh, his uh, appearance in A-Team in 2010, but he was also uh, doing voice acting with uh, Ben 10, Destroy All Aliens. Um, and then 78 to 79, he was on Broadway. 
Wow. The water, the water engine, and the crucifier of blood, and night and day. No, not the night and day with Tom Cruise people. Thank Something you. Something completely else. Thank you for <laughs> clarifying that. That movie was horrible, but. <laughs> but no, I and it's it's always funny where he pops up. It really is because I could have sworn I've seen him in more TV than what what I just mentioned. Um, uh, so. But yeah, no, I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he has. But I mean, my God, most, I'm looking here. Uh, yeah. He was Mung Dahl on, on uh, Chowder. I didn't yeah. realize that. So he's been, he's been a lot of video games. He was the voice of The Flash and Martian Manhunter in DC Universe Online in 2010. Wow. Uh, um, he's been in many Final Fantasy games. Uh, Mass Effect 1 and 2, Metal Gear Solid, Portable Ops. I mean, the dude, has, he, he's been in a couple of Spider-Man games. So the dude has been around. He's just not in front of the camera anymore so much that we notice yeah. him. So. He was an Afro Samurai. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, my God. I don't know who, but I, I just, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. He was in Transformers Prime? What? Uh... I'm going to have to look. Uh, yeah, go ahead and move on because I'm going to have to look this up a little bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the the whole thing with him, I to kind of get into these characters a little bit, for those of you who haven't actually seen any of this, we have some of the main characters that we mentioned. We have uh, George Papard playing, mm-hmm. uh, he was playing Hannibal, who was kind of the, the leader of the A-team. Uh, we had Face, who was... He was kind of like – I want to say he was just kind of like logistics in this. He really kind of brought people in. You know, He was trying to figure out how to make things stretch and how to get things together and get things on site for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I originally when I had heard the name Face, when I first thought was that he was supposed to be like some sort of master of disguise, but he really was and it turned out that uh, Hannibal was. Yeah. You know, I mean, Hannibal dressing up as like the old Chinese guy that was running the the uh, dry cleaners and, you know, the the old drunk in the alley, those things. I mean, you see him pop up as those things all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was always one of the contacts that they used for getting out the message to the A-team. Uh, Murdoch. <laughs> Murdoch mm-hmm. was something else. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, he was. You know, Murdoch was. What, what would you say? I mean, he, what, was he actually really truthfully crazy? I mean, or was it just all an act for him? Murdoch, I, I, it's see because you have these five guys. Well, yeah, animal, ba, fae. Okay, you have these four guys that they all bring something to a team effort. And whether Murdoch was really crazy or not, no one really knows. We all assume he is, but there are times that his methods, the methods of his madness actually do form a plan. Yes. But I'm betting that there was a time where Murdoch was one hell, hell of a crazy fool. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, if you go with the theory behind why, B.A. won't fly anymore. It's because <laughs> Murdoch scared the crap out of him and pulled a loop in a helicopter. So, I, you know, I mean, I, I get that. I, I can see why they're thinking that he's absolutely batshit crazy. So, mm-hmm. but 
some of the stuff, I mean, I would see him and you'd just be like, it's an act so that he ends up in a mental hospital rather than being in prison. You know, that's the feeling I got with him and that they were always trying to break him out because it was so easy. But, uh, you know, you had him, you had B.A. Baracus. Uh, B.A. was, was he was kind of, I guess, the tough guy, the, you know, the, the strong man of the group, I guess. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he was really good with all the heavy weapons. He did a lot of welding and, and engineering for them. It seemed like he was always the guy that would be building all the weapons or, you know, building up the tanks or whatever it was that was going to go out and smash the bad guys. And just he was pretty awesome. I mean, you know, really for what he did, I, I didn't care too much for I pity the fool type stuff that he did. But, you know, it, it what's it's what made him Mr. T. <laughs> yeah. Well, and let, let's face it, that's what most everyone remembers him from. Sure, he was in Rocky Three, and people remember him from that. But his role as B.A., his role as having the catchphrase of, I pity the fool, you know, that's what yeah. everybody remembers him from. Yeah, well, that and then the stupid Mr. T cartoon, which was, what, <laughs> 13 episodes? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it's just, I, there was so much about this series. I mean... I know that they did bring in. They had a bunch of uh, they had a bunch of people that were coming in, a bunch of girls that would come in and out. It seemed like that were you know buddy buddy with the A team. They had the one woman who was a reporter at first and found out about him and said, you know, I want an exclusive and I'm going to write about this. And it was like she was in and out. It seemed like throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And then there was. There was what, like a Puerto Rican or Mexican guy that showed up towards the end, and I, I unfortunately, I wasn't. I able haven't to watch those. seen a lot of season four and five. I, it's not that I d- dislike the show or anything else. I don't. I, I just, I, I had never really caught a lot of season four and five. It's just the A team for me is is that first season, and this is the one show in the eighties that you did not need continuity because it's not it's meant to be a villain of the week show but it's also meant to be a show where oh my god how are the how are the a-team going to escape colonel lynch this time yes you know and and that's really what the show was about so um you know i i did watch the first 10 or 11 episodes before we did the recording. So I do know most of the stuff, but I, I haven't seen all five seasons altogether in a long time. I do know that as of this recording, all five seasons are on Netflix. So, um, there is that. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, there were a lot of things about the show here. I mean, we have to talk a little bit too about the van. Because <laughs> the van was an icon of the A-Team. It was, yes. You know, it was this GMC van that he dropped an engine into. And you would see, like, you, there were times when you'd see B.A. get pissed off and he'd end up picking up the van like he was going to flip it over or something like that. Uh, you know, they always seemed to crowd everybody into the van. They had recording in, instruments in the van that were, they were, you know, considering now what they uh, what they did was pretty cheesy, you know, an old reel-to-reel tape recorder in the back of the van. But, you know, for what it was, it was like, holy crap, early 80s, that was high tech. (laughs) Yeah. 
It really I, was. I just wondered how they got some of that stuff together to pull it off. You know, I mean, obviously they were, they knew the right people, but still, how do you get some of this equipment to use? Yeah. Well, they make it, honestly. I mean, like I said, th- this show is a four-man team of MacGyvers. I mean, yeah, you can do almost anything. Yeah, and I mean, they, they probably came across a lot of different things that they had to deal with throughout in before they're in their Vietnam era, uh, which probably would, would help tie them into having to deal with this, being that they were behind the lines, you know, having to try and figure things out. So, yeah. Uh, so I do have to bring up some of the guest appearances that I recognized in one of the early episodes that I saw uh, – when they did a small and deadly war with the SWAT team, mm-hmm. one of the first guys I saw coming in in, in in officer's uniform was Dean Stockwell. And I'm like, holy shit, what is he doing on the show? <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's Al from Quantum Leap. What the hell? <laughs> no. uh, yeah, they had, oh, they had to have Hulk Hogan show up because, you know, of course, he was in Rocky as well. They had to have a tie in there for wrestling and have him show up as a giant wrestler. <laughs> uh, Rick James showed up. Joe Namath. Marky Post. Uh, Pat Sajak and Vanna White. <laughs> God. Wow. Uh, oh, my God. I forgot about this. Boy George showed up as, quote, unquote, Cowboy George. Somehow I can't ever see him getting on a horse. Uh, maybe he'd get under it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- this show, I just, I loved it. There, You know, people remember this show, e- even so much to the fact that Robot Chicken, I still won't forget the Robot Chicken episode where they spoofed the A-Team. Yeah. Uh, they, they bring you in and you see, it starts off... With the A-team standing there, and they have this old woman who comes in, and she's like, I need help. And they're going, they take one look at her and like, nope, thanks. Sorry, the A-team can't help you. Then they, you know, they bring in this hot-looking chick who's who's basically offering the same thing for no money. And she's like, my father needs help. And they're like, you've just hired the A-team. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's all face right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and of course they go through the whole thing. They blow up. You know, they they get captured by the bad guys by sneaking into this bar, and oh, they have everything that they need when they're trapped into this warehouse. They build this whole thing that makes the van fly and shoot and explode. And I, I was just like, I'm watching this on Robot Chicken. I'm just dying of laughter. I'm like, oh my god, they caught everything down to a T. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty pretty awesome. But yeah, now. To kind of jump a little bit over to the movie, because I know we mentioned that I loved some of the little touches that they threw into the movie, just the, the little nods that they had. Like uh, when you see uh, when you see them going to try and break Murdoch out of the crazy hospital, yeah. <laughs> and you see them all sitting there watching the 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 intro. You hear the intro music for the A Team, the original A yeah. Team playing. And they're all wearing the 3D glasses and the thing busts through. Wow, that's so awesome. It really is like real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. It's such, it's, 
you know, people underrate that, and I'm normally one of those people that will say, oh, no, a remake. Oh, give me a break already. Yeah. And uh, I, I am one of those people. But this time around, I didn't, uh, I didn't really have to say that because it was pretty, pretty awesome. The only thing which I had an issue with was when they send the Predator drones after them, they blow mm-hmm. up the C-130 that they're flying and they parachute out in a tank and are using the tank to steer so that they can land in the lake. I love that because, again, it shows you their ingenuity. It shows you their on-the-spot thinking. Instead of having to make a bomb out of out of, out of pipes with some loose wires, you're... You're in a tank. You can you can drive the tank in the air. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, just it was it was really kind of unbelievable. I mean, they they were falling for what ten minutes? It seemed like. Yeah. Well, what's more unbelievable is that the guy fishing in the lake would actually survive the splash that the tank yes. made. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's a little more unbelievable than them actually driving the tank. Well, um, and. It, if I remember correctly, the guy who was fishing on the lake was fishing with dynamite. He was. And his, his wife was like, that's, that's really, un, you know, not really sporting. And then the tank splashes down and all the fish come flying up and she starts dying of laughter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, you know, again, I, I can't speak well enough for the A-team. Uh, just, oh my God, what, what, what else can I say? I mean, it. I, I, I remember seeing episodes they had. You know, they they did have a lot of violence on the show, and that they did take some criticism for that because there was – it seemed like every episode they had tons of explosions, gunfire that was going off. Uh, you know, they always had cars that would roll over or have some cars flip, and then you'd always see Murdoch that would somehow end up in a helicopter or a plane that would be flying overhead. But how is that any different from Knight Rider when people are shooting missiles at the car – or, or Airwolf, when there are people with machine guns or rival helicopters. How is, how is A-Team any more violent than Airwolf and Knight Rider? It isn't. It's, yeah. it's just a different premise of these four military officers doing what they can. I don't want to make this analogy, but I'm going to anyway. People can send hate mail to tftunmike at gmail.com. Uh, the A-Team in the show are like any they're basically like the salvation army for regular people and I, I, what i mean by that is they are a charitable organization yes people do pay them but there are times i believe that very first episode or second episode or whatever it was in season one um at the end of it they're like no it's okay we don't we're doing this because they pissed us off now, but we're still going to help you do, you know, get the right thing done. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just one of them things that, and the underlying story of them, I don't even remember. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch all five seasons at some point because I don't even remember if they ever got, got pardoned or if they ever got out of being in trouble from the military. Well, there was one episode that, I remember seeing, and it was it was back towards the very end of the series. Mm. Uh, they actually caught the A team. They brought them before a firing squad, and they pretended to shoot them. 
Uh, and what happened was they had uh, they had their Puerto Rican friend or whoever it was. He snuck in, and he gave them all blood packs and told them the guns were going to have blanks, and so they were supposed to take the shots, make it look like they had died. Mm-hmm. And then Murdoch came in with a helicopter over, flew overhead, picked up the dead bodies, and took off with them. Mm. Which I'm still not sure how Murdoch got out, but you know they snuck him out somehow it, again. It, it's Murdoch. I <laughs> exactly. Mean, it's, he, he can escape anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, A Team for me is good old fashioned '80s fun. That's what it's meant to be. Yes, it is a little bit of a team is if people had problems with the A team from eighty three to eighty seven, I wonder how many um parenting groups uh I was gonna say emailed but their email wasn't around then. I wonder how many parenting groups wrote in or called uh whoever whatever studio it was that produced the first RoboCop. Because the first RoboCop, the first 10 minutes oh. of that movie, is more violent than any episode of the A-Team could ever hope to be. Yes, and, so, and the sequel was even worse. But, <laughs> yeah. But we'll get we'll get to that on another episode, I'm sure, because yeah. I definitely want to cover RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the A-Team, it was all... It's basically about four friends who are trying to clear themselves and at the yeah. same time are, are you know, trying to help the helpless. Yeah, they, huh. they were really wow. actually trying to do good despite the fact that they were getting screwed over. Yeah. So, uh, oh, did you happen to see in the opening credits for it, there's mm-hmm. a scene in the very first episode where Dirk Benedict is walking into Universal Studios when they're going to go retrieve Hannibal. Mm-hmm. He walks right past a metallic Cylon warrior. Yep. I just about died laughing when I saw that. I'm like, oh my god. I didn't remember that until after I'd seen it on Netflix. But it was still it was just one of those things that I started dying of laughter. I'm just like, oh my god. And my wife is looking at me. She goes, what's so funny? I'm like, Dirk Benedict was on Battlestar Galactica. And she goes, uh-huh. Like, <laughs> hun, the Cylon Warriors are part of Battlestar Galactica. Oh. So <laughs> I, I know what I have to do. I have to educate my wife a little bit more on some of the geekier 80s yes. TV shows. That's all there is to it. <laughs> uh, let me see. I've got some other trivia here. Uh, oh, may not be a surprise to you or to me, but Mr. T and George Papard did not get along with each other at all. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of arguments that were fed uh, between that because basically Mr. T said he became the real star of the show and George Pappard was a proper movie actor. So why was he getting, you know, second, you know, being billed second to, you know, a second live banana? Uh, you know, it was that. And then Pappard got pissed off when he found out that uh, Mr. T was getting paid more than he was. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it is what it is, unfortunately, and I, I hate to see that, that they had that warring battle going on, you know, and unfortunately that was kind of the way it was going up until George Papard passed away. Yeah. But, yeah. Let me see, what else do I have here? Yeah, uh, let's see. In In his autobiography, Hulk Hogan wrote that the producers wanted him to make more appearances because he was 
one of the few guys that got along with both Pippard and Mr. T. Uh, of course, he was unable to commit due to his schedule of the World Wrestling Federation. Well, yeah, and he was really popular in the 80s, so that doesn't yeah. surprise me. I mean, he was – it seemed like he was always being being shown up or showing up for wrestling events around the nation. Uh, I, I will say this that I do know about Mr. Ho- Mr. Hogan there or Terry Bollea, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. him. Yeah. He was for a long, long time. Uh, he would he would get involved with Make a Wish, and he was one of the most requested celebrities by kids to meet. Kids always wanted to meet Hulk Hogan, even you know, even as short as like ten years ago. People still wanted to meet Hulk Hogan. All these kids did, and that was I. And the fact that he would go out of his way to show up to you know make these kids feel better, despite the fact that they were on their last legs. I thought that was wonderful. Um, another bit of trivia here. Something that I didn't know until I'm actually looking at it here. The crime the team didn't commit was that their commanding officer in Vietnam, Colonel Morrison, ordered them to rob the Bank of Hanoi. The hope was that this would help bring the war to an end. The mission was successful, but when they returned to headquarters, the A-team found it burned to the ground and that Morrison was murdered by the Viet Cong. All evidence that they were acting under orders vanished in the fire. So it kind of makes sense in the movie now, doesn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, they kind of had that same thing happen where they stole, yep. where they're supposed to be stealing the money from Iraq. Yep. And then they they supposedly kill the general, and then he turns out he's not actually dead, mm-hmm. which I, I thought that was pretty good that they pulled Gerald McRaney in to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see here. What else do we have? Oh, I found this fascinating. James Coburn from the Magnificent Seven was considered for the role of Hannibal Smith. I can't see it. I, yeah. I just can't see it because what I know, and I know this is going to sound bad, but what I know him from is like Eraser. And I think he was also in, I'm going to have to look it up, but I think he was also in Maverick. Yeah, he was yeah. he was Commodore Duvall from Matt. I can't see him being. Yeah, he's, I can't. No, I I can see him trying to carry it off, but I think too many people have been pointing fingers at him and going, "Hey, look, he's a cowboy. What's he doing in a modern setting?" Yeah, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's the vision that most people have of him. Unfortunately, he's been kind of typecast in that. So, uh, let me see. <laughs> oh, I love this. Whenever you see the, the people driving the cars and they have a car stunt where the car flips and crashes or rolls, mm-hmm. you always see the people getting out unhurt, you know, completely unhurt and unscathed afterwards. I love that. I was like, no, nah, you roll a car, you're going, you're going to have some injuries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was revealed in the A-team lease with an option to die from 85, from B.A.'s mother, played by Della Reese, that his <laughs> nickname as a child was Scooter. Oh, God. Somehow I'm having a problem seeing the woman from Touched by an Angel being B.A.'s mom. God. Yeah, and, and with Murdoch, apparently, quote-unquote, Howling Mad is his real first name, because... 
Murdoch's first name has never been revealed throughout the series, although Dwight Schultz claimed that Howling Mad is Murdoch's real first name and not just a nickname. Uh, I don't yeah. know any parent would name their kid Howling Mad, but maybe he screamed a lot as a baby. Either that or he went and he had it legally changed. I mean, that would make sense, but then again, mm. what judge would give him, would grant that to him? Uh, let me see. Oh, I love this. They were going to have Tia Carrera. <laughs> I was just looking at that. <laughs> she was supposed to join the cast in the fifth season as the daughter of former A-team pursuer General Harlan Bull Fulbright. Uh, I can't see... Cassandra from Wayne's World. I just can't yeah. see her in the 80s. She must have been super young back then, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see it being, you know, basically the kind of role that they were trying to pull off probably would have been, you know, a Vietnamese love child, you know, being that she was Asian. Yeah. I, I could see that. But, yeah, just not. No. No. <laughs> She was born in 67, so by 83, let's see here, she would have been 16. Okay, yeah, I could probably see a 16-year-old uh, abandoned love child. I can kind yeah. of see that. That that might work. I just, I don't know. I, whenever I see her, it's either Relic Hunter or Cassandra from Wayne's World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or um, one of the bad guys from... Uh, True Lies. That's what I remember her from as well. One of her last on-screen appearances that I can remember. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, let me see. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, th there were seven official members of the A-Team that I found out. Uh, yep. Hannibal, oh, okay. Face, Murdoch, B.A., Amy Allen in Season 1, Tanya Baker in season two, and then Frankie Ramirez in season four. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, those are the supporting cast. I, I yeah. know this is gonna sound. I know this is gonna sound bad, but anyone that isn't the core four members, they are. It's like in Justice League Unlimited, where they have all these supporting people on the tower helping it run. Yeah, that's what. And don't get me wrong. Amy Allen and a couple of the other ones were really good, but yeah. it just, yeah, you know, it's, you switch out characters. Great. You have some spinoff stories that were great, but no, no, there, you have certain people that are the core group and that's the way it should be. Yep. Yep. Uh, the latest, just to kind of go back here a bit, the latest thing, uh, that people might remember Tia Carrera in is the USA Network original series In Plain Sight. Oh. Uh, she also is the voice of Judy Reeves on Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Uh, most recently, she was in a TV movie called T-Minus. Uh, she's just completed Gut Shot Straight and post-production for The Girl. Uh, but that says she's rumored, so oh. take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, she's also been in CSI Miami, Warehouse 13. She was in an episode of The O.C. Oh, God, <laughs> I hated that show. I love that show. It was at a time when I I didn't like a lot of the Fox stuff, and, there, and that one and 
a couple other ones uh, popped up. Uh, actually, most people, most most parents will will hopefully remember her as the voice of Nani Lilo's Lilo's sister yes. in the Lilo and Stitch series. Yes. You know, and she was uh, the Martian Queen in Duck Dodgers, the voice of the Martian Queen. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've been working on my Marvin the Martian impression, so. <laughs> Where's the kaboom? There's supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Kaboom, yes. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I got it down, man. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Eric Bowza has Eric Bowza was impressed, and Eric Bowza is the current one, so I got it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think we're pretty much done here. I I know that they were. <sighs> Should we go ahead and ruin the end of the movie for the A team? There was never a sequel, and I don't think there ever will be a sequel, which is kind of sad. Cause... Yeah. By the end of the film, I was really liking the cast. I was really liking all of them as a team. Um, I don't know what Liam Neeson's got going on right now. Another but, Taken uh, movie, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Don't give them ideas. Oh. <laughs> uh, let me see here. What's um, But yeah, you can go ahead and ruin the end of the movie. The, the, the thing that I loved about it, you see the very end. You see them get arrested. You see them, you think that they're going to get pardoned, and then they come back and they're like, nope, you stole, you know, you kidnapped all these people and, you know, you did wrong. And it's like, oh, my God. And then the one little shit that was in there, he gets away and gives him the finger as he's walking away in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, my God, he's getting off, he's getting away, and they're going <laughs> to jail. Yeah. And they escape with... Bradley Cooper pulling a key out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that was the one thing we didn't talk about the movie, the fact that um Jessica Beale is is his is his love interest. Oh and, god. Yeah. Uh, we still have to cover Summer Catch. That's by far one of her best films. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh Neeson most recently as of last year was at a cameo in uh Anchorman 2. Um uh, this year he's in he's the raccoon and one of the raccoons in the nut job which i'm not in, in no yeah um, he's in the lego movie good pop, good good cop bad cop good cop pa cop what the he plays three voices in the, in the lego movie uh, he's also got uh, nonstop coming out. He's in post production on a million ways to die in the west a walk among the tombstones and run all night um television most recent stuff he had was 2007 life's too short but he's playing himself uh he was he did return as qui-gon for star wars the clone wars so uh in 2011 and and, and this year again i guess he's gonna come in, back for in the one that was the movie or in or in the entire series the series oh wow i i did not realize that star wars clone yeah, it's, yeah, 2008 TV series. Yep, he came back wow. as Qui-Gon. Uh, video games, he was in Fallout 3. Uh, let's see here. So, but yeah, oh, no, I... I, what, I, do have to, I do have to give Liam Neeson a little nod from Kevin Smith. Because <laughs> if, you, if you guys ever listen to Hollywood Babylon, Kevin Smith and uh, Ralph... Ralph Garman. Thank you, Ralph Garman. 
do jokes about him about how big Liam Neeson's cock is because apparently I guess it's humongous. And they actually had a joke which I, I they they basically played off of the whole plot of Liam Neeson's cock being bigger than the A team. And this was right around the time that the A team movie was coming out. A team movie was coming out. Yeah, it was just. I mean, they they went through the whole spiel of if you can find it, and it does this, and it you know, I, I was just like, oh my god. There are times where I enjoy what Kevin Smith is doing, and there are other times where I just shake my head and walk away. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those where you kind of shake your head and walk away, but at the same time you're chuckling under your breath. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, no, all in all, A-Team, the original series, absolutely awesome. Um, I know a lot of people were pissed about the movie, and I know a lot of people were pissed about the fact that Face basically stole the show. But I like it. That There are certain times where I like how they switch up lines in certain things, and I kind of liked it when, when Face said, you know, I don't mean to... You know, seal your line, boss, but I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> and it's so funny because – and I don't know if the I, – I wish I could get an interview with Jeff Klein, one of the executive producers of Transformers Prime. I'm, I'm actually going to aim for that hopefully over on geekcastradio.com. But uh, um, I don't know if this was intentional, but there's an episode where Steve Bloom, as Starscream, says – I love when a plan comes together. And it was just, and that, that's my best Steve Bloom impression, people, is Starscream. I cannot uh. do Steve Bloom to save my life, and I would never even try. But um, it's just, as soon as I heard that, as soon as I saw that on YouTube, I believe it was at the time, and I do not, you know, condone, you know, getting stuff illegally online, you know, I do it sometimes. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things where I saw it on YouTube. I'm like, rewind, click, record. And then I went to Netflix and I'm like, A-Team, I need a good good time when, when, when Hannibal says it. I then, in an audio track, mash the two tracks together and I put it on YouTube as a video. <laughs> it, it was just so, so priceless. It really, really was. Oh, God. <sighs> So, yeah, A-Team, very, very awesome. So, as of this episode, for talking about my generation, we've effectively got the trifecta of most popular 80s action shows done. Knight Rider, Airwolf, and A-Team. Yeah, we're going to have to find something else. I'm not sure what. Maybe we'll pull, maybe we'll pull MacGyver out of our asses. I don't know. <laughs> I know it's not one of your favorites. A lot. Well, it's not that it's not one of my favorites. It's just it's going to require me to go back and, and really watch it. But the A-Team, I know by heart. Airwolf, oh, yeah. I know by heart. I'm in the middle of doing a Knight Rider podcast, so I know that by heart. Um, but I'm sure we can come up with plenty of stuff. Like oh, yeah. Doug said in the beginning, and I don't mean to steal your show here. But, go ahead. You know, Doug said in the beginning of the episode, the gem episode is coming. Uh, I almost think... Uh, I know that we're going to do uh, Grumpy, Grumpier Old Men at yes. some point. Yes. Um, and when Harry uh, – not when Harry met Sally. Um, <laughs> well, Eva wants to cover that one, so we yeah, may end up doing uh, that. Yeah, eventually. I was going to say Sleepless and, and You've Got Mail double feature will be done eventually. Um, 
and I'm tempted now after seeing this, it, it clicked on in the back of my mind. Uh-huh. I may have to do the trifecta of those three movies, Joe versus the volcano sleepless. And then you've got mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if oh, it actually happens. Yes. <laughs> uh, I do want to let everybody know there probably will be a week here towards the end of the month where I may be taking off. Uh, you may not get an episode from us for two weeks, and that's because I am moving. Uh, I recently got a new job, and so things are kind of up in the air. I have to I have to be out of my current apartment by March 9th, so things will kind of be changing around here. We'll have that period between uh, February 28th, like probably 25th or something, up until the 9th where I won't have access to internet and, you know, my microphone set up and all that. So it'll be off air for that. Please don't panic. We will be coming back and we'll have shows. So, oh, yeah, you know, we've got like we said, we've got plans for Grumpy Old Men, for Jem. We've got stuff in the works for everybody. And. If you guys have suggestions, you want to hear something, you want to hear us talk about something that we haven't already covered yet, please send us an email. Let us know. Uh, Before I really get into that, I'm going to let Mike kind of go off here because I know Mike had some interesting stuff that happened this week here. Uh, I I heard that you did an interview, Mike, so go ahead. Well, I've got – I did two interviews this week. Uh, The first one was filled with nothing but technical difficulties and – you know, I don't mind letting people I know or people that I work with or people that are friends of mine that I do podcasts with. I don't let I don't mind letting them sit on the line of Skype for 15 minutes while I get my 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 call recorder to work. But it's a bit different when it happens when you have professional people that you're trying to interview. Yeah. We interviewed um, Christopher Carter. Literate Manus and uh, Michael McQuistion, the three three of the DC composers. They also are currently doing the music for Marvels and uh, uh, Avengers Assemble right now. Uh, they have done worked with Shirley Walker on Batman, Superman, Batman Beyond, um, Batman: Brave and the Bold, uh, all that good stuff. And uh, we went to interview them and. It recorded the first five because I got Steve to use his call recorder. His call recorder recorded the first five minutes, which was nothing but just general chatter, kind of "Hey, how are you?" kind of get kind of get to know them, you know, before we actually start. And it recorded that the whole interview except for the last nine minutes. Oh. So the interview actually stops when Michael McQuistion is about to tell a story about Teen Titans trouble in Tokyo. So I had to use some creative editing and uh, work around it. Oh, and how I did it was, it was so genius because at least on my part, I think um, we've interviewed Tara, Tara strong several times. And uh, <laughs> there was one time where I had her do a clip as Raven where, where she says Teen Titans is not in continuity when it took, when, when it comes to the DC animated universe. So I just threw that in there. I threw something else. And then I, Steve and I did a little outro saying, Hey, sorry, this couldn't be helped. We tried to fix it the best we could. Um, but most of the information from them and, mo- you know, it's an hour, it's an hour long interview total. So, I mean, most of the stories are in there. Actually, all of them are except for that last nine minutes. And then uh, the other night I interviewed a, a cosplayer, Mad Mel Madigan, uh, she does uh, Black Cat, 
she does Mary Jane. She does uh, punk rock uh, Blossom. Or not, not punk rock Blossom, I'm sorry. Um, post-apocalyptic Blossom from the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, <laughs> she does a whole bunch of really, really cool cosplays. Check her out on Facebook. Yeah. And, uh, Some of those... Some of those pictures that she's got are just absolutely, I was like, oh my God, she caught the black cat and the Spider-Man issue with, yeah. with her and Mary Jane. Perfect. Jay Scott Campbell, uh, uh, amazing 606. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I, I, I actually asked her about that in the interview. I said, so how is it that you're in the picture twice? And she said, Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> they, what they did was they had, she had the photographer take one picture of her as Mary Jane. And then they went back and took the picture of her, um, along with hero, heroically fit is the, is the guy that plays the Spider-Man. So they, they did that and then just mashed them together. Um, but no, she does an amazing, I mean, she's been doing about four or five years cosplay. Um, very, very awesome. Uh, geek cast radio came back this week where Steve and I talked about our, uh, most anticipated geek films of 2014. Uh, we also did Altered Geek this week where we talk about various TV news and, and stuff with with what's going on with TV right now. Um, let's see what now, else. Now, i got to ask, are the awards, because you said you still had the awards up for voting, are they still the, open? Yeah, the awards, okay. as of this recording, are still open. They will probably be open until March 1st unless we see a drop-off. Go over to geekcastradio.com. Go to the top of the page. Like as soon as soon as you see the top of the page, you're going to see a word called "vote." You click on it, and it'll take you to the awards page where you can vote in over 26 different categories. Categories ranging from best movie, best male performance, best female performance, uh, best scene, best sci-fi film, best superhero, comedy, action film, best TV intro. Uh, and then we also have various um, GCRN stuff. So best GCRN core podcast, best GCRN partner podcast, best GCRN review podcast, stuff like that. But there are 26 different categories. Voting is still open. The results will be revealed in GeekCast Radio episode 60 coming up in March. I got to I gotta go through and vote. I, I, I apologize for not having voted yet, but <laughs> – I will probably get on to that tonight after we get done with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, that does wrap it up for this gener- this episode of Talking About My Generation. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Send us a tweet. Uh, I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you're on Twitter or not. Oh, yeah. TFG and Mike, you can also send tweets to at Geekcast Radio for all the network updates and and everything else like that. Okay. And as I was mentioning before, if you guys want to send us emails to give us some suggestions, uh, you can do that at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can go to our Facebook page at Talking About My Generation and leave us suggestions there. Send us messages there. We'd be happy to have any suggestions you guys have. Uh, and I think for this episode, we're going to go ahead and sign off with the A Team theme song. You can't go out without that. <laughs> yeah. Nope. You really can't. <laughs>